0: Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly, easier said, done.
1: You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money. At QuickBooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
2: From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Caroline Hyde and Ed Ludlow.
3: Caroline Hyde at Bloomberg's world headquarters in New York,
0: and I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg Technology.
3: Coming up, full coverage of tech earnings ahead. Is of course, Palantir soars on unprecedented AI demand, while chip makers struggle to weather the industry downturn
0: plus Salesforce expanding its approach to the generative AI boom with a new set of tools unveiled. Salesforce co-president Sarah Franklin joins us from the Tableau conference in Las Vegas.
3: And we talk the state of fundraising as the startup UVI raises $100 million for AI-powered car inspections. And then we speak to the co-founder of RX3, which has also raised $150 million from athletes and celebrities for its second growth equity fund. But first, that's sort of the private money being raised. What's happening with your publicly traded companies today? We're nervous, cautious. Ed, we see a bit of a pullback on the NASDAQ. We're off by six-tenths of a percent at the moment. This is all about worries about that debt ceiling coming front and center for the United States investor, but also what's happening in China. The worry about the import demand not being as strong as we anticipated. Is that global economy, one of the firepowers of the global economy, not returning to growth post-COVID as quickly as we hoped? Golden Dragon, therefore, off by 2.7%. And also anxiety around the regional banks, once again, front and center, we're off by nine-tenths of a percent. So that's your macro picture. Let's move on to what's happening in the world of crypto because today we see a little bit of caution overall we're just off by about five tenths of a percent we've had volatility in the og that is bitcoin today really this is more a story of where the dollar direction of travel is ahead of that debt ceiling debacle whether or not it's more about the crypto we're just taking a bit of a pause on crypto it feels on the day ed
0: Yeah, I'm afraid the earnings story also putting a lot of pressure to the downside. You take a look at PayPal, lowering its margins outlook for the year. We're gonna dig into the details around that later in the show. Lucid Group softer by 8% basically re-guiding to the low end of its previously stated forecast. An automaker that's trying to catch up with Tesla but not making a lot of progress. Global foundries, again, pain for the chip sector seems to be in place through the end of the year. We're going to go to Bloomberg's Ian King, the guy you want to talk to when it comes to semiconductors. Global foundries softer by 5%. The big name, the big mover to the upside is Palantir, up around 20% so far in Tuesday's session. A couple of percentage points more, and this is a stock that's heading for its biggest jump since January 2020. 2021, they've shown their hand with a new AI tool and talk about talks about unprecedented demand for that AI tool during the earnings call. I want to get more on this story and bring in Bloomberg's Lizette Chapman, who's here with us in San Francisco. The Palantir AI tool, Lizette, what is it?
4: Hey there. Yeah, you know, Palantir had a a crackerjack. Uh, quarter it had a surprise profit it said it was going to be profitable not only this current quarter but for the entire year and they had unprecedented demand for their ai platform which you know as the ceo alex karp said is is still under construction they don't exactly have a pricing strategy but they are in conversations with hundreds of their hundreds of their customers about incorporating this into
3: their uh, into their plans his turn of phrase He's not shy of using sometimes more controversial language. He says the large language models as a revolution that will raise ships and sink ships, well raise ships and sink ships. I'm just, I'm fascinated by the fact how this sits with people ultimately about generative AI studying in large language models helping us in the battlefield. Right,
4: I think that there's been a huge demand for that, um, based on the, you know, in, in increased interest both from, you know, our the United States Department of Defense as well as our allies, and so it's very much seen as a critical asset um, in a software-first defense um, scenario, um, given the rising tensions with China and Russia and 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 others that are not necessarily friendly to U.S. interests. So there is definitely a defense application. Uh, more than half of Palantir's revenue uh, does come from the government sector which includes not only the Department of Defense and all of its branches but also those of our allies so it's very much geared toward um, a defense context uh, as uh, along with some commercial
0: applications. What's so astonishing about this story yeah the stocks up 20% because of AI also surprise profit and no one's really talking about it.
4: Right well let's
0: Let's I'll dig go, into that Lizette, a little bit more. go ahead, yeah. <laughs>
4: um, It's a surprise um, profit, and one of the things that, I, that um, was interesting was that they achieved this two years before they originally said they would. Originally, the plan was for them to hit gap profitability um, by 2025. Now they're saying that they will do it for this full year, and they will maintain profitability while continuing to reorient all of their resources, that's thousands of, of employees,
3: around um, building this AI platform. Absolutely extraordinary. I mean, big move on the stock, great to have Lizette breaking it all down on the surprise profit side of the equation as well as all in on AI as another company seems to be. We thank you so much for coming in and joining the show. Meanwhile, let's turn to another key company that's out with earnings and look, the share price is not having a similar reaction. Global Foundry signaling weakness in its outlook on muted chip demand. For more, let's go out to Bloomberg's Ian King, the king of all things when it comes to our chip coverage here. Ian, what do you make of what this is signaling more broadly? We keep on waiting for there to be some sort of turnaround. Is, is in any way Global Foundries a bellwether for the sector?
2: Yeah, 100%. A good way to look at them is a smaller version of TSMC. So through their customers, effectively, they're in the uh, auto chip business, they're in the data center business, they're in the mobile phone business. And you know, the, the outlook that they gave today, unfortunately, reflects a lot of what's been said throughout this earnings season, and that's not particularly positive.
3: Next, therefore, are we tending to start to think we can call a bottom on this? Did they in any way say, okay, this isn't looking good in the meantime, in the here and the now, but we see some sort of light at the end of the tunnel?
2: Yeah, no, that's a very good question. They're, they're basically, effectively speaking out of both sides of their mouth, which a lot of chip companies have been doing, Which mm. is, and what they've been saying is quarter one, that was the worst, that was the absolute bottom, and things will get better from here. But things will not get better at the rate we thought that they would. So that's obviously causing some concern. Can we believe this kind of rose-tinted scenario for the second half of the year? And and again, Global Foundry said not looking as good as we thought it had.
3: Just on the specifics here, Ian, what particular Mm. areas of demand, when you say it's like a good bellwether, a smaller TSMC or whatever the likes, what particular areas of demand are we so worried about?
2: Smartphones has got to be number one, I mean they re- effectively repeated what Qualcomm said which is China hasn't come back as quick as we thought, the inventory that we said was going to be burned away by the middle of the year, it looks like it's going to be hanging around into the second half of the year. So they're saying look, supply is kind of getting better, that position is improving, but. Demand, where's demand? It's
3: interesting that when you, NVIDIA was a big drag today and indeed as you've pointed out sort of this has been a bit of a bellwether for the entire chip sector on the day, but NVIDIA actually hit a 52 week high yesterday, the areas, are we going to get bifurcated market, are we going to see the chip makers, designers that are all in on AI doing well and those that aren't languishing because they're consumer exposed?
2: Yeah, I mean, that would appear to be the way to look at it. Look at the only green dot on my screen today was AMD. And that's definitely a a play on the future of AI and what what investors are expecting to happen there.
0: Bloomberg's Ian King joining us out of San Francisco. Salesforce expanding its approach to generative AI with a reimagined version of its Tableau suite called Tableau GPT and also Tableau Pulse. For more on this, we welcome Salesforce co-president Sarah Franklin, who's coming to us from the Tableau conference out in Las Vegas. Let's get straight to the why. Why is Salesforce doing this and why now?
1: So big picture, Salesforce has been a pioneer in AI for over a decade. Uh, We created Einstein, which brought everyone to have their own data scientists about a decade ago. And now today we're delivering over a trillion predictions every week uh, for all of our hundreds of thousands of customers, um, which brought them into AI. And now we've moved from predictive to generative. And Salesforce who has led every seismic shift in technology from going to cloud, to mobile, to social, we are here right at the forefront leading all of our customers into Generative AI with Tableau GPT and Tableau Pulse.
0: So Sarah, you're out at the Tableau conference. The other tool announced is Slack GPT. So the question is this, is this you trying to get Salesforce customers to use the services of other things you've acquired in recent years?
1: So Salesforce, we have an incredible suite across the entire Customer 360. Sales, service, marketing, commerce, Slack has been an incredible addition to our portfolio, helping everyone have great productive employees. And we ask ourselves the question, how do you make every employee more productive? How do you make every customer more happy how do you provide incredible customer service and sales and marketing and a fully integrated single source of truth of your customers and so yes by providing that entire suite of products for our customers they can all have better customers and better employees and it's really important that we give them all of their data so they can unlock it and really have that trusted customer and company data to use generative ai and to have Tableau, GPT really bring that data to life for everyone that's involved in customer engagement.
0: Caroline, data's really the key point, isn't it? Mm. Particularly when we're talking about enterprise as a use case for generative AI tools, there's an element of concern about the data, its sourcing and how it's secure.
3: Yeah, and Sarah, to that point, you used trusted a number of times there, or single source of truth. Is there any concern that generative AI does just make some things up? If there is a hole in the private data that this is being run on, the so-called hallucinations, and many people take issue with that particular turn of phrase, but is that happening? How do you ensure that people are getting the right insights at the right time?
1: Trust is absolutely paramount, as as we've discussed just now. Every company wants to have trusted data. They need to know that they have their data is being trusted, their customers expect them to trust them with their data. And Salesforce at our core, we have always had trust as our number one value. And so having trusted data is important because your AI is only as good as your data. And so no company wants to bring hallucinations, as you say, into the enterprise. They need to know that they can trust the AI. And that's why our approach is founded on trust. And we always have a human in the process mm-hmm. because the AI is here to help us not to um, not to replace us. And so that's so important that the data is trusted so that you can also trust the generative AI that's being created
3: from that data. Interesting. So I'm feeling that you're on the AI is here to augment us humans rather than take away our jobs, but you're, you are someone who's built your career on sort of the democratization of technology, you're someone who's deeply pass- passionate about how with ease people can change from a blue-collar job to a white-collar job using, for example, the ways in which you've used trailheading, for example, but are you in broader picture here thinking AI is going to inevitably take white-collar jobs at the moment? So. I really wanna look at,
1: at generative AI as an incredible opportunity for us. It's really interesting when you rewind back in history and you think of the first computer. The first computer was a person, not a machine. And there was a lot of fear that it would replace us in our jobs. Fast forward to today, we don't have enough skilled talent for all of the jobs that work with computers and work in tech. And so we're already seeing new careers being created such as prompt engineering or AI illustrations. There's a lot of opportunity. So we as an industry and as Salesforce, we do take it as a responsibility to skill people up for the future. We created Trailhead as a free online learning platform to democratize all of this technology so everyone can have access and everyone can learn. There's incredible opportunity and we wanna make it easy and accessible for everyone. And we can also hopefully change the ratios in tech in the process. But yes, we are here to help skill people up and help remove the fear from this incredible new generation of technology we see with generative AI.
0: Sarah, how are these new tools driving sales for Salesforce?
1: So generative AI is everything that all of our customers are talking about. They are wondering how to future-proof their business in the wake of this new technology trend. And it's here to stay, it's not a fad. And so every single one of our customers is looking to Salesforce right now and saying, we trust you. We know that you will guide us into this future, just like you guided us into cloud, into mobile, into social. And so, yes, every single one of our customers wants Salesforce GPT to help them with sales GPT, service GPT, marketing GPT, and more. And Tableau GPT and Tableau Pulse are incredible innovations that are going to help fuel all of our customers'
0: success. In your career, as Caroline pointed out, you've been through waves of new technological advancement. This has happened quite quickly. Did Salesforce really plan these tools over a really long period of time, or is this something that you've rushed through in recent weeks in response to what the rest of the industry's done?
1: So this is what's so powerful is that Salesforce has been a pioneer in AI. For over a decade, we've been investing in Einstein, which is our AI platform. And we have seen, as I mentioned earlier, We have over one trillion predictions being done every single week on our AI platform. So this is not something that we're just pulling out of a hat. We have been investing in this for a long time and we have the world's best data scientists uh, that are here at Salesforce and they're generating all kinds of incredible large language models that help us create code, that help us create reply response, that help us create great engagement and ways for, like you see with Tableau GPT and Tableau Pulse, for people to really bring their data to life where in the past they haven't been able to really do that easily. So this has been something Salesforce has been doing for a long time and will continue to be a leader in generative AI.
3: A leader at a time where the macro headwinds for every single industry are tough at the moment. And Sarah, as you talk about the in-house talent that you have to keep building, it's at a time where we know companies like yours are having to lay off staff, having to slim down in the face of what has been a slowing economy. Have you got the right mix of talent at the moment, do you think?
1: At Salesforce, we have the most talented engineers, marketeers, salespeople. We have the best people in the business at Salesforce. And we are more equipped than ever. Our company is in a great spot set up for the decades to come. Uh, We're laser focused on our customers,
3: on our innovation, and really delivering success for everyone. Sarah Franklin, thanks for spending some time with us, co-president of Salesforce there. Meanwhile, Ed, one of the biggest concerns, of course, that comes with using artificial intelligence just in our daily lives, well, we're just talking about being replaced by it, especially for those that work in the media landscape. Enter GPT Zero. It's an app launched to distinguish whether copy was written by a human or by artificial intelligence. More than one million users have registered since January. And the brain behind the app is just a 22-year-old from Princeton University, a student, is also launching a new program called Origin, which aims to weed out disinformation in the online media generated by AI. It secured three and a half million dollars in funding so far. Ed.
0: Yeah, let's stick with AI. IBM introducing <laughs> a platform for large companies to train and use AI models. When it rains, it pours. Caroline, the company leaning in on its Watson legacy to stand out in a crowded field for AI tools. Have to say, not doing much to support the shares this Wednesday, uh, Tuesday. Sorry, down one point seven. wishing the week away. Right. And at a seven-month low, so many headlines in the field of AI. Now, coming up, regional banks resume their sell-off as uncertainty hits the sector. We're going to discuss that next in our weekly Wall Street Beat. This is Bloomberg.
3: What if everyone at work were an expert communicator?
0: Stephen Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Time for Wall Street Beat. PacWest and Western Alliance led regional bank stocks lower today as the hard hit sector resumed its decline. The drop comes as investors remain unnerved by a rash of deposit outflows from banks and increasing concerns about general stability. Plus LinkedIn, the latest tech company to join the wave of job cuts. The company plans to shut its jobs app in China and cut about 716 jobs as the networking service further shrinks its presence in the world's second largest economy. And a group of firms including Goldman Sachs and Microsoft are joining a new blockchain system aimed at linking disparate institutional applications, potentially encouraging broader adoption of distributed ledger technology in financial markets. Participants in the Canton Network, which will start testing some features in July, say the system offers better privacy and controls than currently available. AI, at the same time, it it will achieve a scale and standard appropriate for financial institutions, that all according to a quite long statement released by the companies on Tuesday.
3: <laughs> yeah, a little one to dig into. Basically, blockchain is back. Meanwhile, who else is back. Celebrities endorsing brands. RX3 raising $150 million from athletes from celebrities for its second equity fund, where they really analyze some consumer opportunities. We've got an exclusive interview for you coming up. Nate Rob's is going to be joining us, managing partner at RX3 Ventures. That's up next. Meanwhile, another stock that we've got an eye on, Nintendo. Well... The Mario Maker is learning and warning of big slowdown in the Switch console sales. This is a key concern, but actually Nintendo managing to tread above water at the moment, at least over the last few trading days. But it seems as though maybe you want too many consoles out there, Ed. You know you're the expert on this one.
0: Yeah, look, I am tracking mobile. Eye. We kind of paired some earlier games. We were up sort of more than 9% after we did an interview with the CEO. The company reaching a deal with Porsche uh, to dis- Basically, give them their advanced driver technology, uh, assistance technology going forward. The CEO telling me that actually we could see the tech in real cars in production sooner than we might think. Have a listen.
5: Normally, when uh, you get a design win, it's between two to three years until um, you have start of production. So we're we're talking about the same uh, time frame, but we started working a few months early before this, uh, uh, this announcement. So you can do this math and come up with a start of production.
0: I would say, Caroline, this is a deal that the Mobileye teased in recent weeks, particularly on the earnings call. were wondering, who is this mysterious European automaker that mobiles doing business with? Well, it's a pretty decent one, Porsche. So it'll be interesting to see if this moves the needle for them and they get some more deals. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco.
3: I'm Caroline Howard in New York and let's dig into some of this market action. Halfway through the show Ed, I'm looking at what is sentiment a little bit more lacklustre on the day. We're off by 7 tenths of a percent on the NASDAQ. We're worried about some key themes here in the US. The debt ceiling of course keeping some investors on edge. We're also worrying about China potentially more of a hit to that economy than we're anticipating. Imports not as fast as we wanted. Golden Dragons, so some of those Chinese listed companies here in the United States or Chinese companies listed here in the US are on the downside 2.5%. KBW your bank index, keep an eye on some of these regional lenders. We are still worried about them. PacWest is on the downside once again. So a lot to think about from the macro perspective, but also let's dig into the earnings, the micro. Have a quick look at what's on the move in terms of your individual tech names on the day. Look, Amazon manages to outperform It was actually up more than this. It's adding in terms of points perspective to the NASDAQ and the NASDAQ 100 today. It's unveiling the fact that you might be able to buy Amazon products even when you're in a gaming or virtual reality sphere at the moment. So don't worry, you can order that Amazon, kitchen towel town no matter where you go. Palantir, as you mentioned, at the top of the show, Ed, up 22%. Absolutely soaring biggest move since 2021 as they say, look, this AI app that they're developing, the software that will be used even in the battlefield, there is unprecedented demand for it. PayPal, though, on the downside after its earnings, because operating margin not as strong as wanted to be seen, even though they're seeing volumes increase in terms of overall payments processing, they're doing too much white labeling. People want to see more of the PayPal payments going forward. And I'm looking at Fisker off by six of 6% fully, actually, as we worry about the software in its new SUV and whether or not that's looking pretty clunky for the time being, Ed.
0: Right. From the public markets, let's go to the private markets. The venture fund, RX3, has just raised $150 million from athletes and celebrities for its second consumer-focused growth equity fund. The fund was co-founded by football star Aaron Rodgers, venture capitalist Byron Roth, and Nate Raby, who joins us now for an exclusive (laughs) interview. Nate, good morning to you. Why? are all of the LPs, athletes, actors, celebrities?
6: Yeah, thanks, Ed, Caroline, for having me on. Uh, I think the reason we have a lot of these athletes, celebrities, and actors as LPs, it really provides us access to consumer brands across the the growth sector. And not only are we able to provide capital, but we can provide value beyond that capital and really move the needle and help drive uh, revenue to these brands. When you look at the portfolio companies or potential portfolio companies,
0: do you think that having celebrity backing as an investor and then endorsement increases, the, I guess, the likelihood that you will have success and then a successful exit down the road?
6: Yeah, I think it definitely can if there's the authentic relationship. So we really drive, um, really strive to align our differentiated LP base with brands when there is that authentic relationship. I don't think you can set it up where uh, the days of where they just get paid to do a post, those, those are kind of long gone. So we really try to foster authentic relationships between our differentiated LP base and our brands.
3: Some VCs that I've been speaking to, Nate, have said the one area that they are not going anywhere near are consumer-led companies right now, consumer-focused companies, because of the economy that we're in. Why is it still the great hit for you?
6: Yeah, for us, uh, because we have the athletes and entertainers, it's easy for them to get behind because it's products and brands that they use on the everyday basis. So we invest across health, wellness, active lifestyle, beauty, pet. And these are all brands that they can feel, touch and use in their daily life. Uh, We have shifted our focus from kind of high growth BTC consumer brands Mm. to more consumer essentials, profitable brands that have strong fundamentals behind them.
3: Always got to feed your pet. Talk to us a little bit, though, about some of the overall valuations that you're seeing. Are you getting a better entry point when you're starting these conversations And, and, and where do you think some of the opportunities are and what is a dislocated market?
6: Yeah, I think there's there's definitely been a healthy reset in in the market across private equity. Um, you know, we're looking at it, we've only made one investment out of our, our second fund and we're well positioned to kind of take advantage and really help provide value to these brands. So we're excited about, about this vintage because uh, it definitely has been a, a healthy reset.
3: Healthy Reset that in many ways, Ed, has not just been seen across technology companies and in the private markets, but in the public yeah. markets as well. But really, a lot of this is about having technology at its core, a way in which you can speak to a mass consumer via the power of, well, social media and big brands that happen to be big individuals in this case, Ed.
0: Yeah, I guess in that, in that vein, Nate, when you guys are making an investment decision, a deck hits your desk... Do so you would then invite all of these LPs that would be involved in the endorsement of this company to participate actively in that investment decision, or do the three partners just make the decision on their behalf?
6: No, great question. So uh, our LPs and our Athletes, level Investors, you know, we're, we're return-focused first. We don't require anybody to do anything, but rather, uh, if there is that natural alignment, we do go out to our existing LP base and see if there is interest, and they would. it is a brand that they would get behind. Uh, they're not involved in the day-to-day investment decision, and they're not required to do anything uh, for the brand. But we do try to align ourselves with brands where there is someone in our network that we can provide value to.
0: Nate Ashton Kutcher told us on the show last week he raised 243 million for his AI fund in just five weeks. How quickly did you raise this
6: fund? A little, little more than five, five weeks. Ashton Kutcher has a, a strong brand in the investing side. That's, that's very impressive. Definitely took us a a little longer. Uh, so very impressive what, what he did. But what we're, we're happy to say we're oversubscribed uh, with our second fund here.
3: What about artificial intelligence? What a way about the ways in which that is seemingly upending every business model? Is it something that you're looking at?
6: Yeah, I think it's something that um, all of our brands across the consumer spectrum are, are going to have to uh, take a look at and how they can incorporate it uh, into their their company. Uh, I think it's still still early days here, and it's, it's definitely something, though, that, that we're looking at and will be a part of our um, our consumer brands.
3: Nate Roby, thanks for the time, Managing Partner at our X3 Ventures. Meanwhile, coming up, we're going to stick on the focus of investment. VC firms continuing to tout their commitments to AI-native companies. We're speaking with a partner from Bessemer Venture Partners. We're going to dig in, really, to the nuance of the portfolio and what they're building in AI. That's next. This is Bloomberg. <music> It is time now for our VC roundup. Investment fund process is exploring potential divestments from its emerging markets fintech company, PayU. Look, sources are saying it's working with Bank of America to gauge interest in PayU's business outside of India. It could fetch as much as $800 million in the potential deal. Meanwhile, Taiwanese battery maker Prologium Technology is looking into funding an evaluation of about $2 billion to ramp up growth in 2024. The EV battery supplier, which is backed by Mercedes-Benz, is in talks with potential advisors to raise as much as $300 million according to sources. And Aura, the Finnish company behind some of those pricey health tracking rings, says it's buying a little-known tech startup called Proxy. Proxy makes digital identification tools, Ed.
0: Yeah, loving those private startup and venture stories from around the world. Let's stay in the VC space and wait, welcome Samir Delaki, partner with Bessemer Venture Partners. A billion dollars. billion dollars. For AI. <coughs> For AI. But from an existing fund.
7: From an existing fund. We have lots of flexibility with our existing funds uh, to be able to deploy it. The message is really clear to entrepreneurs out there. We are committed to AI and investment in AI-native founders.
3: Okay. Tell us, Samir, how you saw wheat from chaff at the moment. We had, of course, many a VC come on saying there's plenty of opportunities to write checks at the moment, but not all of the companies are as strong as the other. How do you understand that they're really doing something foundational within AI?
7: No question, Uh, and that is fundamental to our job is to be able to to sort those. I will just say I've been in in software now for 28 years, um, served as CEO of two different companies, uh, joined venture capital recently, but I'll tell you I've seen uh, these seminal moments in technology history where it becomes clear to the mainstream that we have made a technical leap forward and everything about life and work will be different. Uh, I saw it with the Netscape moment in 95. Uh, I saw it with the uh, iPhone moment with jobs in 07. Um, and there's just no question in my mind that we will look back at November 30th of 22 and say that was the ChatGPT moment. And everything uh, about the future is going to be different. Um, mm know in, in, in great ways, and I think that uh, incumbent on us as venture capitalists, if I take the Netscape example, the first one that I lived through, um, we need to go find the next Jeff Bezos, and I know he 's out there and uh, or she 's out there, and we would love to talk to her <laughs> and we want to and we have to be able to sort the Jeff Bezos from you know the next Amazon from the next web van yeah. uh, and that 's hard to do, but but we 're excited to go do it, and we want to signal to the market we got a billion dollars of capital here to deploy into this into this um, new breakthrough that we think is going to change the world.
3: And we're looking at some of your portfolio, Jasper, Deepel, for example. So, we're, there is currently this discussion about whether big tech or indeed all Gardens will win out. We see, of yeah. course, everyone talking about open AI and being yeah. in a relationship with Microsoft. We think about the competition with Google, but many are also talking yeah. about, well, open source. We're also seeing how hugging yeah. face makes an impact on that. What do you think about that sort of di- the dichotomy we're getting at the moment?
7: Absolutely. I I think you're going to see continued innovation at all layers of the stack. We're seeing open source flourish. Costs are coming down really quickly. Um, I do believe, if you were to ask me as a betting man, I think at the foundation model layers, we would probably see a redux of the cloud wars uh, where the big tech... Provides the the biggest uh, platforms, but I think you'll but you will also see uh, open source solutions. I think you'll see vertical solutions that are smaller LLMs trained to solve a particular problem set um, in a given vertical industry, etc. And so I think we're just going to and then of course at the application layer, uh, I think you're going to see. Uh, the creativity of the world's entrepreneurs unleashed and, and problem solved in novel ways, and there will be thousands of those solutions. So I think this is one of those moments where I, I genuinely would say trillions of dollars of market cap will be created from this AI moment. And it's not, I say that not because my crystal ball is any clearer than anybody else's, but because I'm a student of history and I've lived in 28 years through the previous platform shifts and every other platform shift has led to that level of um,
0: innovation, creation, and market uh, value creation. Which areas are you pulling back from or hitting pause on so you can commit a billion dollars to AI native?
7: The fun thing for me about uh, the AI investments is AI is not a category, uh, in my humble opinion. I think it is, is going to be embedded everywhere. They're the AI natives. We will invest deeply, and that's what this fund is all about. Every one of our portfolio companies have heard the message, how are you adopting and rethinking your solutions in the context of this technical leap forward? Um, and so I think we're, we're, we're seeing it everywhere. And so I believe we'll continue to, to invest meaningfully behind all the places we have historically, vertical SaaS, horizontal SaaS. Um, Crypto, and, and uh, cybersecurity, healthcare. Like crypto, right? I, I, we do invest behind crypto as well. We've got a DAO. We're, uh, and so I, I believe crypto as well. I think all of these categories will fundamentally um, adopt AI
0: because it's just a, a great well, new capability. Psychologically and mechanically. Is the timeline for exit different for an AI company or an AI adjacent company or a native AI company, AI native, and the type of exit? Yeah, I would say uh, yes, and I think it's faster. (laughs) So
7: uh, the companies that I've invested in so far, as an example in AI, Jasper and DeepL, are two of the fastest growing software companies that I have ever seen in 28 years. I've seen a lot of companies. These They're rocket ships, the adoption, because they solve a very real problem for customers. They each have tens of thousands of paying business customers already. Um, and so I think we'll see exits even faster. I think these are IPO worthy companies. Uh, And so I think that kind of exits will will be the same, but I think they'll be even faster than what we've seen in the past.
3: What we've seen, and you just mentioned crypto there, is not only talk of a hype cycle, but also, Samir, talk of lack of regulation. How are you seeing round corners? I know you said your crystal ball isn't good as others, but I'm pretty sure it is because that's why you're a VC. Mm -hmm. What are you foreseeing in terms of regulatory strain and, and the race for AI being a certain and safe one?
7: Yeah, I, first off, um, I think the hype around AI is underhyped, given the impact I think it is going to have on our, the way we work and live. Um, in terms of the regulation, I would say, uh, in my experience in business, uh, it is so uncommon for me to see all parties agree that regulation is needed and want to collaborate together across Mm -hmm. policymakers, founders, technologists, et cetera. And so I'm very confident that that the industry as a whole is going to address that. Uh, I think there are some obvious and no-brainer areas where regulation will come into play that'll be good for everybody. Where I'm focused is, gosh, the amazing uh, technical leap forward here can solve things in healthcare in, 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 just in industries that um, I think could be re- in education that
0: can be game-changing for us as humans across the world. Caroline, the humble opinion of Samir Delakia, partner <laughs> over at Bessemer Ventures with a cool $20 billion to play with.
3: Yeah, quite phenomenal. what's going viral uvi has just raised 100 million dollars from investors including general motors carmax and look the company is using artificial intelligence for vehicle inspections pleased to see with us the person who can explain exactly how ceo and co-founder amir heaver it is great to have some time with you amir so i drive in and what automatically you can understand what's wrong with my vehicle how is this going to work
8: so exactly, um, at UVI, it's kind of you can think of us like an MRI for the vehicle. Mm-hmm. We have a few systems, you simply drive through our, through, our, through our systems, and then we're able, within a few seconds, to really understand the full condition of the vehicle. Um, we're taking images of the tires, the undercarriage, the whole exterior, so if you have any leakages, any expired tires, any issues of wear and tear of the tires, we're simply able to find out everything.
0: I mean, Hanako Ventures led the round, but GM did participate through its venture round. I thought we'd use that as a sort of case study. Do you do business with General Motors? What is it that you actually sell to the automakers or to the service
8: shops? So we have quite a few partners. Um, it was published that we work with General Motors, we work with them on mainly on their dealerships to be able to service their customers better. It's really important for us to give a better customer experience while someone driving into the dealership, exposing kind of the issues and really understand the full condition of the vehicle. We are working with them on the dealerships but also we have more partners like CarMax, like Volvo, um, like Hyundai and Toyota that invested us in the previous round, we also working with them as well.
0: Uh, Bloomberg reported that the deal valued UVI at around $800 million. How difficult was that to raise the funds in this environment from those partners? And I guess,
8: were you wanting to hit unicorn status? (laughs) I think right now we're um, really focusing on building value. Um, Samir just spoke about companies that really need to prove that they have customers or bringing value to their customers, and this is exactly what we are doing. We are working with all of our partners, GM and the others, um, to make sure that our products bring. Uh, value not only to our customers, but also to their customers. And this is what is important, and this is why we were still able to raise uh, fairly um, a lot of money, especially right now, which is slightly harder in terms of everything that is going on with, with the economics.
0: Caro, they, they describe it as the MRI machine for vehicle inspection, but really, this is a story about artificial intelligence.
3: Yeah, and I, I'm interested, Amir, to that end. How do you actually say that this is an artificially intelligent at its foundation level company because you're, you're running it through images, I'm assuming, to be able to understand whether your tires are looking good or whether other parts, but how do, you, how do you prove to the investor base that you haven't just tacked on AI to make yourself sexy?
8: Right. So basically what we're showing the investors, um, how does it really work, right? How do we, how do we are able to really find all the issues at the vehicle? How do things work in the back end? The fact that we're able to break the vehicle into the different parts, the fact that we're able to find different things really, really quickly. These are the things that are important to to our investors to make sure we have a really strong foundation of models um, and AI-based models that can really work for every vehicle, every type of vehicle, vehicle, and any Condition of the vehicle that we're seeing, mm. and this is kind of why it's really important and kind of the strengths of your FOI of AI, uh, because it really helps us to even support things we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, so if there's a new vehicle we haven't seen it before, we're still able to find most of the damages on that vehicle, even when we didn't see the specific type or model of the vehicle, and that's kind of the strength of what we're building.
3: UVI based near here. Well, you're in Jersey, right? You came from Israel, where is your tech talent at the moment for this?
8: So both, here in in Jersey we have offices both in in Jersey uh, but also in Ohio Um, and we also have an office in in Israel. Um, We also have offices in Germany um, and the UK. Very quick, Amir, where will you build and manufacture the systems here in North America? Where? So, uh, we're now manufacturing here in Indianapolis, um, and that's um, helped us to scale a lot quicker um, and to ship more systems to our customers.
0: All right, our thanks to Amir Haver, the CEO and co-founder of UVI. Thank you very much. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Stay with Bloomberg Television because... We're speaking to the Nikola CEO, Carol, Michael Loeschella, who's coming up with me and Matt Miller and John Erkman in the next hour here <laughs> on Bloomberg TV. Uh,
3: to power people that love all things autos sitting down with Michael. Meanwhile, do not forget to check out our podcast. You can find it all on the terminal. You can be online on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you like to consume your audio. Come do it with us and get your AI fix because, boy, are we focused on it at the moment. From New York, from San Francisco, this is Bloomberg.